But anyway, I'm glad you're here. Anybody see a snowman running around out there? Just. Oh, this is yours. I'm sorry. Well, we've got a lesson tonight, uh, Battlefield of the Mind, two lessons. You should uh, have your syllabus. They may need a syllabus or didn't get one. Uh, we're going to hit two chapters. Uh, first one's be positive and the next one be negative. No, the no, first one's be positive. So with no further ado, Mr. Keith Hathcock is going to come and, and do our discipleship lesson. Y'all give him a hand as he comes. Amen. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad y'all came. I tell you, not just anybody would come on a, on a cold night like this. I'm glad you came. Y'all are positive and you came. So y'all may not need to hear this. No, I'm glad you came. Pastor asked me to do it. I know I was grinning ear to ear. Anytime pastor allows me to speak in this pulpit, I'm thrilled about it. And hopefully I can uh, say some things that will help you. I say that, I'm just going to tell you what Joyce Myers says. I watched her today. She's really a good speaker today. <laughs> so if I can speak it as well as she wrote it, we'll be in good shape today. All right. Uh, we start with Matthew 8, 13. It says, it shall be done for you as you have believed. <clears throat> positive minds produce positive lives. Negative minds produce negative lives. Positive thoughts are always full of faith and hope, and negative thoughts are always full of fear and doubt. Some people are afraid to hope because they've been hurt so much in life. They've had so many disappointments, they don't think they can face the pain of another one. Therefore, they refuse to hope, so they won't be disappointed. This avoidance of hope is a type of protection against being hurt. Disappointment hurts. So rather than be hurt again, many people simply refuse to hope or to believe that anything good will ever happen to them. Now this type of behavior sets up a negative lifestyle. Everything becomes negative um, because the thoughts are negative. Remember, Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Many years ago, I was extremely negative. I, I always say that if I had two positive thoughts in a row, I would get a cramp. That's what <laughs> My whole philosophy is this. If you don't expect anything good to happen, then you won't be disappointed when it doesn't. I had encountered so many disappointments in life, so many devastating things had happened to me that I was afraid to believe that anything good might happen. I had a, a terribly negative outlook on everything. Since my thoughts were all negative, so is my mouth, and therefore, so is my life. Then I really began to study the Word and to trust God to restore me. One of the things I realized was that the negativism had to go. In Matthew eight thirteen, Jesus tells us that it will be done for us as we have believed. The King James Version, it says, As thou hast believed, so it be done unto thee. Everything I believed was negative, so naturally many negative things happened to me. This doesn't mean that you and I can get anything we want just by thinking about it. God has a perfect plan for each of us, and we can't control him with our thoughts and words, but we must think and speak in agreement with his will and plan for us. Amen? Amen. If you don't have any idea what God's will is for you at at this point, at least begin by thinking, well, I don't know God's plan, but I know he loves me. Therefore, he does, excuse me, therefore, whatever he does will be good and I'll be blessed. Let's say that. Okay? Whatever he does will be good and I'll be blessed. Amen. Begin to think positively about your life. Practice being positive in each situation that arises. Even if whatever is taking place in your life at that moment is not good, expect God to bring good out of it as he has promised in his word. Romans 8, 28 says, We are sure to know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan 
for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. This scripture does not say that, that all things are good, but it does say all things work together for good. Let's say you're planning to go shopping. You get in your car. It won't start. There are two ways you can look at this situation. You can say, I knew it. It never fails. Every time I want to do something, it gets messed up. I figured this shopping trip would end up in a mess, and it did. Or you can say, well, I wanted to go shopping, but it looks like I can't do that right now. I'll go later when the car is fixed. In the meantime, I believe this change in plan is going to work out for my good. There's probably some good reason I need to be home today, so I'm going to enjoy my time there. That's, that's two different ways of looking at it. I read that. Um, I, I'm going to have to go that way. I, I've never had much car trouble in life, but I've usually gone the negative way. <laughs> it, so. I know what to do next time. Praise God. Romans 12, 16, the Apostle Paul tells us to readily adjust ourselves to people and things. The idea that we must learn to become the kind of person who plans things, but who does not fall apart if that plan doesn't work out. Recently, I had an excellent opportunity to practice this principle. Dave and I were in Lake Worth, Florida. We had been ministering there for three days, and we were packing, getting ready to go to the airport to go home. I had planned to wear slacks, a blouse, flat shoes. I was going to be comfortable on my return trip. I started getting dressed. I couldn't find my slacks. We looked all over the place and finally found them in the bottom of the closet. They had slipped off the hanger and were terribly wrinkled. Now we take a portable clothes steamer with us. I tried to steam out the wrinkles. I put on the outfit and saw that it was just not going to look right. And my only other choice was a dress and high heels. Now, this is Joyce Meyer, not Keith. Y'all know. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can feel my emotions getting upset with the situation. You see, anytime we don't get what we want, our feelings will rise up and try to get us into self-pity and a negative attitude. I recognized immediately that I had a choice to make. I could be irritated because things hadn't worked out the way I wanted them to, or I could adjust myself to that situation and go ahead and enjoy the trip home. Even a person who is really positive won't have everything work out the way he would like it all the time. But the positive person can go ahead and decide to enjoy himself no matter what happens. The negative person never enjoys anything. Yeah. A negative person is no fun to be around or be with. He brings gloom over every project. There is a heaviness about him. He's a complainer, a murmurer, and a fault finder. No matter how many good things are going on, he always seems to spot the one thing that could be a potential problem. When I was in my days of extreme negativism, I could walk into someone's home that hadn't been newly decorated, and rather than seeing and commenting on the lovely surroundings, I would spot a corner of a wallpaper that was loose or smudged on a window. I am so glad Jesus has set me free to enjoy the good things in life. I am free to believe that with hope, faith and hope in him, the bad things can be turned around for good. Amen. If you're a negative person, don't feel condemned. Condemnation is negative. I'm sharing these things so that you can recognize your problem with being negative and begin to trust God to restore you, not to get you to become negative about your negativism. I hope I'm saying that right. Is that negativism? Right. Thank you. The pathway to freedom begins when we face a problem without making excuses for it. I'm sure that if you are a negative person, there is a reason for it. There always is. But remember, as a Christian, according to the Bible, you are a new person now. Amen. 2 Corinthians 2.5 says, 
Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation. A new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. As a new creation, you don't have to allow the old things that happen to you to keep afflicting or affecting your new life in Christ. You're a new creature, and with new life in Christ, you can have your mind renewed with the Word of God. Good things are going to happen to you. Rejoice. It's a new day. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, we're going to read John 16, 7, and 8. It says, However, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, and expedient, and advantageous, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Comforter, who is the Counselor, the Helper, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Strengthener, and the Standby, he will not come to you, and he won't be in close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, upright of heart and right standing with God and about judgment. The hardest part of being set free from negativism is facing the truth and saying, I'm a negative person and I want to change. Miss Michelle used to tell us God will ch- answer that prayer. He, he said, God changed me. It's a good, it's good prayer if you need. I mean, if you're, he, she's talking about the negative person. If you're that way, you know, she's, Joyce Meyer saying it too, you know, you want to change? Ask God to change it. He says, I can't change myself, but I believe God will change me as I trust him. I know it will take time, but, but I'm not going to get discouraged with myself. God has begun a good work in me, and he is well able to bring it to full completion. And that's in Philippians 1.6. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you each time you start to get negative. That's part of his job. And John 16, 7, 8 teaches that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin and convince us of righteousness. When the conviction comes, ask God to help you. Don't think you can change yourself. Lean on him. Even though I was extremely negative, God let me know that if I would trust him, he would cause me to be very positive. I was having a hard time trying to keep my mind in a positive pattern. Now I can't even stand negativism. It's like a person who smokes. Many times a smoker who has quit smoking has no tolerance for cigarettes. I'm that way. I smoked for many years, but after I quit, I can't even stand the smell of smoke. It's the same way about being negative. When I was a very negative person, now I can't stand negativism at all. It's almost offensive to me. I guess I've seen so many good changes in my life since I've been delivered from negative mind that now I'm opposed to anything negative. Now I face reality and I encourage you to do the same. If you're sick, don't say I'm not sick because it's not true. But you can say, I believe God is healing me. You don't have to say, I probably get worse and end up in the hospital. Instead, you can say, God's healing power is at work in me right now and I believe I'm going to be all right. Amen. Amen, it is. It is unwise to refuse to face reality. However, if our reality is negative, we can still have a positive attitude toward it. Always be ready mentally to face whatever comes, believing that God works good out of all things. Next scripture is Acts 17, 11. It says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. The Bible says that we are to have a ready mind. That means that we are to have minds that are open to the will of God for us, whatever that may be. For example, recently a young lady whom I know experienced the sorrow of a broken engagement. 
She and this young man were praying about whether or not the Lord would have them continue dating or not, even though they had decided not to get married at that time. The young lady wanted the relationship to continue as thinking, hoping, and believing that her former fiancé would call and feel the same way. I advised her to have a ready mind in case things didn't work out that way. And she said, well, isn't that being negative? No, it isn't. Negativism would think, my life is over. No one's ever going to want me. I failed, so now I'm going to be miserable forever. But being positive would be to say, I'm really sad about this thing that's happened, but I'm going to trust God. I hope my boyfriend and I can still date. I'm going to ask and believe for our relationship to be restored. But more than anything, I want God's perfect will. If things don't turn out that way, uh, the way that I want them to, I'm still going to survive. Because Jesus lives in me. It may be hard for a while, but I, but I trust the Lord. And I believe that in the end, everything's going to work out for my best. Now this is facing facts, having a ready mind, and being positive. This is what I consider to be a healthy, well-balanced attitude. All right. <clears throat> We're going to go to uh, the next scripture there. Y'all may have it in your syllabus. Uh, Romans 4, 18, 20. It says, For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations, as it has been promised. So numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead womb. Nor unbelief, nor distrust made him waver, or doubtingly questioned concerning that promise of God, because, but he, he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Dave and I believe that our ministry in the body of Christ will grow each year. We always want to help more people, but we also realize that if God has a different plan, and if we end up at the end of the year with no growth, everything the same as when we started, we cannot let that situation control our joy. We believe for many things, but beyond all of them, we believe in someone. That someone is Jesus. We don't always know what is going to happen. We just know that it will always work out for our good. The more positive you and I become, the more we will be in the flow of God. God is certainly positive, and to flow with him, we must be positive. You may know, or you may have real adverse circumstances. You may be thinking, Joyce, if you knew my situation, you would not expect me to be positive. Being positive in a positive situation is easy. Anyone can do that. But when you're positive in a negative situation, it shows a genuine trust in God and a spiritual maturity that pleases and glorifies God. Now, I encourage you to reread what we just read in Romans 18 through 20, in which it reports that Abraham, he sized up his situation. He didn't ignore the facts. He considered, and he thought about it briefly, the utter impotence of his own body and the barrenness of Sarah's dead womb. Although all human reason for hope is gone, he hoped in faith. Abraham was very positive about a very negative situation. Hebrews 6, 19 tells us that hope is the anchor of the soul. Hope is the force that keeps us steady in a time of trial. Don't ever stop hoping. If you do, you're going to have a miserable life. If you're already having a miserable life because you have no hope, start hoping. Don't be afraid. I can't promise you things will turn around exactly the way you want them to. I can't promise you that you'll never be disappointed. But even in disappointing times, if they do come, you can, have, you can, you can hope and be positive. Put yourself in God's miracle-working realm. Expect a miracle in your life and expect good things. 
Amen. Next scripture is Isaiah 30, 18. It says, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore he lifts himself up, that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Happy, fortunate, and to be envy are those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and look and long for him, for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, unbroken companionship. This passage has become one of my favorite scriptures. If you will meditate on it, it will begin to bring you great hope. In it, God's saying that he's looking for someone. He's looking for you tonight. He's looking for someone he can be gracious or good to. But it cannot be someone with a sour attitude and a negative mind. It must be someone who's expecting, looking, and longing for God to be good to him or her. Amen. That's good. All right, we're going to go evil forebodings. What are evil forebodings? Shortly after we began to study God's word, I was combing my hair one morning in the bathroom and realized that in the atmosphere around me was a vague, threatening feeling that something bad is going to happen. I became aware that I actually had that feeling with me most of my life. And I asked the Lord, I said, what is this feeling I always have? Evil forebodings was the word he put in my heart. Well, I didn't know what that meant, nor had I ever heard of it. Shortly thereafter, I found the phrase in Proverbs 15, 15. It says, all the days of the desponding and afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and forebodings. But he who has glad heart has continual feast regardless of circumstances. I realized at that time that most of my life had been uh, made miserable by evil thoughts and forebodings. Yes, I had circumstances that were very difficult. And e but even when I didn't, I, I was still miserable because my thoughts were poisoning my outlook and, outlook and robbing me of my ability to enjoy life and see good days. Even if nothing bad was happening at the time, I, I always vaguely sensed that something bad was about to happen. Because of that, I was able to really enjoy my life. First Peter 3.10 For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days good whether apparent or not keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from guile which is treachery and deceit. This verse plainly tells us that enjoying life and seeing good days and having a positive mind and mouth are linked together. No matter how negative you are or how long you've been that way you can change because I did. It took time and heaping helpings of the Holy Spirit, but it was worth it. It'll be worth it to you too. Whatever happens, trust in the Lord and be positive. Don't ever let evil forebodings hang around in your atmosphere. Instead, resist them aggressively in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's chapter 5. Y'all forgive me and let me get a drink of water. I guess we'll do the questions at the end. You want to do it that way, Pastor? Okay. I, I got no. <laughs> All right, let's, um, the verse that they start with is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I once reached a place in my walk with God where I was having a hard time believing certain things that I had previously believed. I didn't understand what was wrong with me, and as a result, I got confused. The longer the predicament went on and the more confused I became, the unbelief seemed to be growing by leaps and bounds. I began to question my call. I thought I was losing the vision God had given me for the ministry, and I was miserable. Unbelief always produces misery. 
My mind was sluggish, and I felt as if I, I could not believe God no matter how hard I tried. Two days in a row, I heard this phrase coming up out of my spirit, mind-binding spirits. First day, I didn't think much about it. However, the second day, as began a time of intercession, I heard it again for about the fourth or fifth time, mind-binding spirits. Although I was unfamiliar with that phrase, it made sense considering how I felt mentally. I knew from, from all the people to whom I had ministered that multitudes of believers have trouble with their minds. I thought that the Holy Spirit was leading me to pray for the body of Christ against the spirit called mind-binding. So I began to pray and come against mind-binding spirits in Jesus' name. After only a couple of minutes of praying, I felt a tremendous deliverance come to my own mind. It was quite dramatic. The thoughts of evil spirits lurking, lurking around is rather creepy, but they do exist. Jesus called demons by name and commanded them to leave. Delivered from mind-binding spirits. Nearly every deliverance God has brought me has been progressive and has come about by believing and confessing the word of God. John 8, 31, 32 and Psalms 107, 20 are my testimony. In John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And in Psalms 107, 20, says the Lord, He sends forth His word and healed them and rescued them from the pit and destruction. But this time I felt and knew immediately that something had happened in my mind. Within minutes, I was able to believe again in areas I've been struggling with just, just prior to my time of prayer. I'll give you an example. Before being attacked by the mind-binding spirits, I believed that according to the Word of God, the fact that I was a woman from Fenton, Missouri, whom no one knew, wouldn't make any difference in my life or ministry. When God was ready, he's going to open doors that no one could close, Revelations 3.8, and I would preach all over the world the practical, liberating message he had given me. I believed I would have the privilege of sharing the gospel throughout the nation by radio and eventually by television, not because of me, but in spite of me. I knew that. According to the scripture, God chooses the weak and foolish things to confound the wise. 1 Corinthians 1.27. I believe that the Lord was going to use me to heal the sick. I believe that our children was going to be used in ministry. I believed all sorts of wonderful things that the Lord had placed in my heart. Most of them seemed foolish to, to reason or mental understanding, but God put them in my heart and gave me supernatural faith to believe what in the natural is unbelievable. However, when these spirits, evil spirits, attacked me, I couldn't seem to believe much anything. I think things like, well, I probably just made all that up. I just believed it because I wanted to. It probably won't ever happen. But when, that, when those spirits left, the ability to believe came rushing back. This experience clarified me, clarified to me even more than before, just how aggressively the devil comes against our minds. He knows if he can control our thoughts, that he can control our lives. Now pay attention to the condition of your mind and keep it free, peaceful, and full of faith. Amen. Romans eight twenty six says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily, as we ought. But the Spirit itself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and growings too deep for utterance. As Christians, we need to learn to decide to believe. God often gives us faith, a product of the Spirit, for things that our minds just can't always seem to come in agreement with. The mind wants to understand everything. It wants to know the why, the, the when, and the how of it. Often, when that understanding is not given by God, the mind refuses to believe what it cannot understand. 
It frequently happens that a believer knows something in his heart, his inner man, but his mind wars against it. I decided long ago to believe what the Word says and to believe the rhema, which is the revealed Word, that God gave me, the things He spoke to me, or the promises He gave me personally. Even if I didn't understand why, when, or how it would come to pass in my life, as children of God, one of the privileges we have is believing the impossible. Isn't that great? Amen. Yes, it is. But this thing I've been battling was different. It was beyond decision. It was bound by these mind-binding experiences that just couldn't bring myself to believe. Thank God that through the Holy Spirit, He showed me how to pray, and His power prevailed. I'm not sure, or I'm sure that you're reading this book right now because you were led to. You too may be having problems in an area. If so, I encourage you to pray in Jesus' name. By the power of his blood, come against all evil spirits that hinder godly thoughts. If you feel your mind is sluggish, lazy, unable to believe, then speak against mind-binding spirits. Pray this way. Not just one time, but any time you experience difficulty in this area. The devil never runs out of fiery darts to throw at us when we are trying to go forward. Lift up your shield of faith and remember James 2.8, which teaches us that we can ask God for wisdom in trials and he will give it to us and he'll show us what to do. I had a problem, a fiery dart that I had not encountered before, but God showed me how to pray and I was set free. You will be too. Amen. What time it is. I have to wear my glasses so far away. Anyway, I enjoyed that. I, I, I don't know if y'all did, but I thought that was outstanding teaching that Miss uh, Joyce Myers had. Let's go over the questions. And we'll go from there. Um, First question, it said, read Matthew eight thirteen. I won't do that. We've already read it. But explain the effects of positive and negative thoughts on the lives of people. So positive thoughts, they're full of faith and hope, and they produce positive lives. And negative thoughts, they're full of fear and doubt, and produce negative lives. Do I need to say that again? Positive thoughts, they are full of faith and hope and produce positive lives. And negative thoughts are full of fear and doubt and they produce negative lives. Next question, does the Bible say that all things are good? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It says that all things work together for good for those who are called, who love the Lord and are called according to his design and purpose. How are we to react when our plans don't work out? We are not to fall apart. Instead, we are to be really adaptable and adjust. That's about the car breaking down. Number three, many of us have had bad things happen to us, which caused us to be negative about the future. According to this verse, how should we react to such situation and they're talking about 2 Corinthians 5 17 and the answer is we should not allow the things that have happened to us to keep affecting our new life in Christ I'll say it again we should not allow the things that have happened 
to us to keep affecting our new life in Christ. Number four, A. Why did Jesus say it was profitable for us that he go away? The answer is if Jesus hadn't gone away, the Holy Spirit would not have come. Why did Jesus teach us that the Holy What does teach Jesus teach us that the Holy Spirit will do for us? And uh, the answer is, He will convict of sin, but He will convince us of righteousness. And, uh, amen. That's as we're Christians here. He'll come to convince us of our righteousness. What does the Bible say about the work God has begun in us? And it's, it is, he is well able to bring it to full completion. Number five, how can we achieve balance in our thinking? And the answer is by having a ready mind, open to the will of God for us. Having a ready mind open to the will of God for us. 6a, being positive does not mean that we are to ignore the obvious. How do we deal with impossible situations without losing hope? The answer is we, we realize that no matter how negative the circumstances may seem, God is able to overcome them. No matter how negative the circumstances may be, God is able to overcome them. What is the anchor of the soul? How does it help us? Anchor of the soul is hope, and it keeps us steady in times of trial. It's hope, and it keeps us steady in that time of trial. Seven, what is God's desire toward us as reflected in these passages? What do we need to do to receive his will for us? God wants to be gracious to us and show us mercy and loving kindness. And the second part of it, what do we need to do to receive is to expect it. Say it again. God wants to be gracious to us and show us mercy and loving kindness. And what do we need to receive his will for us? And that's to expect it. Seven beings. What are evil forebodings? How are we to deal with them? Evil forebodings are anxious, anxious thoughts. And we deal with them by having a glad heart. Anxious thoughts, and we deal with them by having a glad heart. Number eight, what does this verse say we must do if we want to enjoy life and see good days? It's talking about First Peter 3.10. And that's to keep our tongues free from evil and our lips from Guile. Keep our tongues free from evil and our lips from guile. Did I go too fast? Does anybody need me to do it? Go over another one? Okay. Let's go to chapter six questions. 
talking about Philippians 4, 6, and 7, how can we experience the peace of God? She's got a pretty good answer here, uh, pretty long. By doing what Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, being careful for nothing, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, by your prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Pastor's right. Basically, the answer is look up Philippians 4, 6, and 7. <laughs> the easiest route. And do that. Uh, question number two. How can we overcome the mind-binding spirits? And the answer is by abiding in the Word of God. And she goes on to expound on that, but it's abiding in the Word of God. And it says, which is the truth that sets us free? His word heals us, rescues us from the pit of destruction. But it's abiding in the word of God. 3A. As Christians, we must decide to believe. How can we believe during times when our minds don't understand everything? Once again, it's three or four sentence answer, but it says God often gives us faith for things that our minds just can't always come into agreement with. That's what she was talking about when she said God had given her, you know, wanted uh, this great ministry for her, and she's a woman from Felton, Missouri, that no one knew, but saying God gives us faith for things that our mind can't always come into agreement with, things our minds don't understand, so we've got to decide to believe. By praying in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood and come against these mind-binding spirits. devil tries to tell you you can't do it. It's, I, I think it's pretty close, if not, these mind-binding spirits. And we've got to come against them. In Jesus' name. All right. Last question. What should we do when we're going through trials? Ask God for wisdom. He'll give it to us and he'll show us what to do. But ask God for wisdom. Amen. All right. Well, I thank y'all for listening. And I'll turn it back over to Pastor. All right. Good. Well, I think uh, in her book there, she said that book was revised, I don't know, a year or two ago. It was originally... Uh, printed in 1995 and I don't know how many books George Myers has she has a bunch of them she's authored a lot of books she said that's still her number one seller out of all the books she's ever written so uh, <clears throat> helps a lot of people you know your life your, uh, your life uh, travels the way your mind goes so you don't ever go in life anywhere until you, your mind went there first and so uh we're going to, uh, I, I, I'm going to read something to you, and then we'll be uh, dismissed. Um, some of you might, may not know who I'm going to ask you about. Uh, uh, the, there's a pastor in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, named uh, him and his wife, uh, uh, Hank and Brenda Kuhneman. Y'all ever heard of them? It's a prophetical ministry. He's been on Sid Roth a number of times. Um, 
when Wynn was here last time, Wynn Golfs, he was, Wynn was telling me about he was in a meeting in Louisiana, uh, that he's on a board there, and uh, he administered uh, there a couple weeks before then. And then uh, he said they were having uh, the Kuhnemans, he and his wife, and he says, so I had a little break in the schedule, so he said I went back to the church in Louisiana. And uh, he said uh, they had never met each other, but uh, <clears throat> he said uh, Hank ministered to him. And he said kind of just gave me my whole life story about what had happened and where it was going. It was very precise. Uh, he had um, has a daily prophetical type thing that on his website, but he also... Um, uh, had something on the year 2015. A lot of it would be interesting. Uh, uh, I, I don't know him personally, never been to one of his ser services. I've seen him a couple times, like I said, on Sid Roth. And Wynn said he's been very, very precise in his prophecies. And he said that about 2015, and I, you could actually go to his website and print it off. It says, the message to God's church, will be, it will be a year of new direction. It'll be a year of rest and restoration, reversal and retribution. It'll be coming to feast and coming dine. And um, he's using the verse out of the book of Acts where Peter went up on the housetop and he was uh, uh, kind of fell into a trance. And in that trance, you know, he saw like a, a table come down the four corners like a tablecloth. And he heard the Spirit of God say, rise and eat. And this was a this was a pivotal time in, in church history where uh, God was about to give revelation that the, that the gospel belonged to the Gentiles as well as to the, to the Jews. And Peter couldn't understand that with his mind. And he says, I, I won't rise and eat because this is unclean food. As a Jew, I can't eat this. And he says, whatever the Lord says clean is clean. But he really was talking about bringing the Jew and the Gentile as, as one new man. So he's using this as an illustration he says, do you see a tablecloth, a table being spread before you? The Spirit of God says, where I, where I will cover the four corners of the earth in 2015, I will supply the table a blessing and restoration and recovery before you, my people, in the presence of your enemies. 2015 will be known, even as it comes, as a year of restoration, recovery, and reversal. It will be a year of divine reversal. Anybody want, want something reversed? Um, maybe not go in reverse, but you want, you'd want you like to have a, something reversed. It, so it will be a year of divine change. It'll be a year of the things that have been, a year of those things that have been that are being held back to be suddenly turned now and come your way to bless you. It will be a year of divine provision and blessing will be released as part of the work of restoration, recovery, and reversal that will bring to my people. 2015 will be known as the year of the feasting of the Lord. This year, I want my people to come and feast and come and dine upon my blessings, says the Spirit. Watch, 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 and see what I will do. Spread a tablecloth before my people so that you may eat, you may rejoice, and you may be joyful, and you may be abundantly provided for, and you may feast of the years of your labor before me. There's been a, uh, a lot of things on his website he keeps there from year to year, you know, whether it has to do with politics or has to do with uh, um, uh, the election of a president, it's, it's always been accurate uh, on his, I understand. And uh, I know he he um, he talked about uh, a tsunami, and this was the one that was a few years ago where he had almost a quarter million people die in that tsunami. Uh, Hank prophesied that before it happened. Uh, he saw that in the spirit. So, <coughs> so he said, um, 2015, will, uh, he said, you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, in this season, there'll be a season of dining and feasting on the Lord's blessings, his hand that brings restoration, recovery, and reversal. In 2015, your understanding will be enlightened. As you now understand why you struggled, and you will understand why there were great battles before you. You will say, no wonder there was not enough, no wonder we walked through the fire, no wonder there was this trial that seemed so long. It was because the enemy feared the feast that awaits you. It was because you will now taste and see that the Lord is good 
and you will feast upon his blessings, his restoration, his recovery, and his reversal. In 2015, the Lord is asking you, what do you see? That is the question the Lord is asking. As when the Lord healed the blind man, praying for him twice in Mark 8, 22, 25, the blind man, he took him by the hand, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying hands on him, he asked, Jesus asked the man, he said, do you, what do you see? Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently, and he was restored, and then he began to see things, uh, see everything clearly. He says, do you see the negative? <laughs> That's our lesson for tonight. Do you see the fear, or do you see God's glory? God wants his people to see the working of the hand and not just the evil of the day. Joel 2, 2 says, there is a day of darkness and of gloominess. There is a day of clouds and thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. So it is a day of doom and gloom, but also clouds and thick darkness and the glory of God that appears in darkness. Um, and uh, towards the end of it, he says, the number 15, the, the biblical number 15, in, in 2015, 15 means new direction. The Hebrew words, um, yod hey sounds like, uh, means hand, inspiration, and grace. Its significance, the Holy Spirit giving people new direction in life. The number 15 means new direction. Uh, the year uh, number 15 in 2015 means deliverance and reversal. It means restoration and healing. It means restitution. It means rest. It means revival. So 2015 is about a new direction. Where you are now is not where you'll be in 2015 because it will involve a new direction and new things and new locations. It will require, however, obedience to decisions and movements towards him. As a result, new things will unfold in this year of rest and bring the feasting of the Lord to your life. An example, God gave new direction and new life to King Hezekiah. He brought a divine reversal, restoration of his health and delivered him. God wants to do the same for you. If you remember King Hezekiah? He said he was sick and he was dying, and he prayed that God would remember his works and how he served him with his whole heart. God heard the prayer and told the king through the prophet Isaiah that he would be healed, and, and God granted him an additional 15 years of life after that. Um, then I'll skip two or three things and give you this last little thing. 2015, I thought this was interesting, is a year of rest from your enemies. In other words, we won't work on them until 2016. Or they won't work on you. I don't know what that means. <laughs> we'll take a breather. <laughs> Anybody okay with a breather? <laughs> this will be a year of rest for God's people who have suffered and experienced hardship at the hand of the enemy. The Lord will arise, intervene, intervene in bringing peace to spiritual storms, and he will release the grace of rest to his people. I'm sorry, so if you're wanting to fight, you may have to, maybe you can do that next year. That's uh, Hank Kuhneman. Like I said, he's in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, <clears throat> just thought I'd share that with you. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to, to give tonight. If you want to uh, um, do that, there's an offering envelope available to you. Um, we'll have your... 2014 given statements. Uh, uh, well, I, I'm gonna say we're gonna try to have them Sunday. Uh, we uh, we're doing them in house now because we got tired of accountants waiting until February to get them out and tell us they were in the mail and they weren't in the mail. And then I really hate hate to have to threaten people and uh, cross state lines to go beat them up or something. You know, anyway. No, it's just, it, you know, accountants are real busy, but, uh, you know, sometimes when you're doing your tax, thankfully that's still a benefit. Uh, it may not be there one day, but it still is. 
and uh, but you can still <coughs> do your taxes. You can use all of your giving, and so we'll uh, we're attempting to get that. We're really close to getting that uh, completed for the year, and uh, but if we can, we'll have them here this Sunday. So um, this, of course, is 2015. So, Amen. I appreciate y'all coming out in the cold. Um, you don't, probably don't need me to remind you, but it wouldn't hurt to leave some water running tonight. Um, if you hadn't wrapped any pipes, you need to leave right now. And uh, we'll see you. You don't have time to stay here any longer. <laughs> but uh, you might want to leave a little water dripping. You might want to open up your cabinets, you know, and put a little heat under there or a lamp under there or something. Uh, I know plumbers like the business, but... There's no need us doing that right now, so it's going to be cold for the next two, three days. Let's see, what else is it? Oh, today's Elliot's birthday. Happy birthday to Elliot. Praise the Lord. Tomorrow's Elvis Presley's birthday. Someone saw him somewhere again today. Uh, he's seen usually the, the week of his birthday. Elvis would be 80 years old tomorrow. How about that? So, uh... <coughs> He's just no hound dog now, anyway. Well, let's uh, let's pray. Father, we just praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God, and we just choose to uh, to, to be positive and not to be negative. That's the choice, and we choose life. We choose you. We choose your word. Therefore, we choose truth, and we get good results. And we just deal with any uh, spirits of the mind who has. Uh, tried to deceive or to lie or to uh, uh, keep uh, the positive side of the Word of God uh, affecting our hearts and our minds, and we just deal with any spirits of that, uh, trying to work it against your people, and we just command them to go in Jesus' name, and we just receive life and peace and strength and, and health and increase and prosperity. And we declare that that everyone tonight will get home safe and be safe uh, throughout this week. And we just give you praise in the name of Jesus. And we declare as this seed is sown tonight, we declare as it goes into the ground, it also causes the harvest to come forth. And we thank you, Lord, for rest of this year and the grace to rest in it. And we thank you, Lord, for increase and the release and of uh, all the good things that you have in store for us. We receive the word of God, the prophetical word spoken by the prophet. We receive that. And we declare it's ours, and we'll walk in it and, and have what you want us to have that Jesus paid for. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Bill's not going to get cold tonight. Praise the Lord. He is ready. Well, all right. Um, I think school starts a little bit late tomorrow, doesn't it? I thought if there's any kids uh, upset with that, we could try to get a petition and change that. And uh, um, But, of course, they might be praying that either this be a washout tomorrow. But <laughs> anyway. Well, God bless y'all. Y'all have a big night, and uh, we'll see you Sunday morning. He can move mountains. Keep me in the valley. Hide me from the rain. My God is awesome.